Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll, an exclusive home of the Duff McKagan joke of the week. Hey, Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan, uh, enjoying a, a rare day off today. Uh, I just was watching the news and I heard it's law that you have to turn on your, you know, your lights on your car when it's raining in Sweden. How the hell am I supposed to know when it's raining in Sweden? Thank you very much. But. You know, that's a good point. I appreciate that. And it's the effort and thought behind it that counts uh, each and every week as Duff McKagan calls in his patented uh, nugget of humor. Uh, he's in a day off. He's in a time off. Every day's a day off right now for all of us and for Guns N' Roses as well. The start of their summer tour 2020 is postponed until August. But Duff's keeping busy with his Sirius XM show Three Chords on Ozzy's Boneyard every Friday. And of course, you can check out The Rock of Jericho my Sirius XM show on Octane every Friday as well, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern. And you can sing along with me tomorrow night as the Saturday night special will be starting at 9 p.m. Eastern on Facebook Live. Come hang out, ask me questions, hear some more stories, hear me sing some songs. We've all been having a great time during this coronavirus lockdown. So let's uh, hashtag stay home together, practice social distancing, and help beat COVID-19. Let's have a few laughs and a little fun while we're at it. And then this summer, hopefully you can come have some fun with Fozzie on the road. We got uh, positive, positive intention, positive thoughts that we're going to be back out on the Save the World Tour in July. Uh, FozzieRock.com has all the rescheduled dates and info for you. Ticket info, VIP info. If you already have a ticket, uh, hold on to it from one of the previous shows as we've uh, rebooked them. And hopefully you can make the new dates. If not, uh, you can still get a refund. But as of today, July 10th, we kick it off in Columbus at the Newport Music Hall. July 11th, Grand Rapids, 12th. Uh, is going to be in uh, Flint, Michigan. Is it going to be in Flint, Michigan? Uh, Joliet, Michigan. I was way off. July 12th is going to be in Joliet, Illinois. 13th in Indianapolis. 16th Rockfest in Cadott, Wisconsin. 30th Harrison, Ohio. 31st Flint, Michigan. That's the Flint show. And plenty more shows in August and September. Of course, the Kiss Cruise, October 30th. All ticket information at fozzyrock.com, along with the VIP meet and greets, private uh, mini concert for you. Take pictures, hang out. It's a great time. One of the best experiences uh, available today. You can find out all that information at fozzyrock.com. All right, today I've got Shazza McKenzie all the way from Australia in quarantine and wait till you hear her story. She came to the United States for what was uh, supposed to be eight weeks of wrestling shows, uh, all during the WrestleMania time, big events during WrestleMania. And she landed just as the U.S. was shutting things down. Uh, by the time she worked her travel back to home to Australia in a few days, they basically shut their country down and uh, she was forced into quarantine. And I think she's just getting over it now. When we talked about this, she still uh, had about a week to go. But she's got the whole story of Shaza McKenzie's unexcellent adventure right here, right now on Talk is Jericho. So in the uh, middle of very strange times with the <laughs> coronavirus kind of uh, changing plans uh, seemingly on an hourly basis, one of the big uh, the big cancellations, of course, was WrestleMania, but it wasn't just WrestleMania from a WWE standpoint that was a huge cancellation. It was all of the wrestling shows, and I, I never want to use the term independent wrestlers, but all the other wrestlers that came around the world that had to cancel their gigs as well. Myself included, I had to cancel a big signing at Wrestle uh, WrestleCon. Uh, but one of the stories that really kind of grabbed my attention was the story of uh, Shazza McKenzie from Australia. And uh, we'll get into the whole story, but right now you're in Australia, and you are you still under quarantine, Shaza? Yeah, I'm. St I'm still in quarantine. I'm in a tiny little room. I have a little mattress, and I have a TV, and I just 
hang out here all day, <laughs> every day. And how many days has it been so far? This is day seven. So I've just started, like I've just woken up for day seven, essentially. So. And why are you under quarantine for so long? So anyone that comes into Australia, like they're put into quarantine, like that's the rules. Like it's for anyone that enters the country, you have to be in quarantine and they're like checking on people. And if you, um, if you leave quarantine for whatever reason, like say I was like, oh, you know what? No one really cares. I'll just go down the street and get, I don't know, packet of chips from the shops. Um, there's like a $13,000 fine if they find you. So I was like, oh, I'll just uh, stay in my little room and not make anyone sick. <laughs> wow. So, oh my gosh. So let's, so when you come back, then it's kind of a honor system where you go to your apartment? Yeah. So I'm in like a little, I'm in a spare room at my house. And then, like, I can't be near my husband because he has, like, he's high risk because he has asthma. So if he gets it, then um, it's very catastrophic for him. So I can't even be with him. He just brings me food to my door and I just sit here. <laughs> and then I do some workouts and then I watch some TV and I don't know. So this is like a, time. a complete old school, like, black plague. You can't even leave the room. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. So... There's so many questions already, but let's just kind of go. <laughs> <laughs> let's just kind of go back to uh, now. Obviously, we met uh, w- once or twice. You've done a few things for AW, but you are based in Australia. You still live in Australia most of the time. Yes, yes, I live in Australia. So, how did you like? For example, when you came to AW, I think you did the Women's Battle Royal or whatever show that was. Do you spend quite a bit of time in the States? Do you arrange tours sort of thing? How does that work? So basically, I sort of arrange some of the stuff I'll arrange myself. Some stuff um, companies will arrange for me. It just sort of depends on the situation. Like the Battle Royale, AEW brought me over just for that. So I was literally in the country for, I think, two days, if that, um, and then straight back out. But, like, I try to – what I've tried to do for the last, say, eight years is at least, like, twice a year come over for about a minimum of two to three weeks so you can get – I can get a few bookings and stuff and then come back while still maintaining an income in Australia. But then last year, at the start of last year, I quit my full-time job because I wanted to go over for three months because and no job would (laughs) let me just take three months leave Mm -hmm. Um, so I left my job and I went to America for three months and sort of just did as much wrestling and did it's it's hard because I live in Australia so I have to kind of go over there and do as much as I can to kind of get my name out there and build this momentum but then I legally have to come back to Australia um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and hope that I've done enough to keep the momentum until the next time I can planned to come back over so i yeah so i'd done like a big tour at the start of last year and then i did like the battle royale in august and then i did another like two weeks in november which ended up doing dark as well while i was over there and then when i got back from all of that i was like well like now what happens (laughs) because you just kind of you get back to australia and like there's wrestling here but it's not not as consistent as it is in america and you sort of lose the momentum because nobody's really like people are watching australia but it's not they're not watching it as much as you would if i was just in america wrestling every weekend i'd be able to build up this momentum to whatever it equaled up to so 
So, um, so when you come to the states, are you coming under like a tourist visa type of a thing, or do you have like you said a three month uh, period? Or, or we, 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 I've done the same thing in the past as well. So you, you come in, you do your thing, and and and, and off you go. Yeah, but, and you've yeah, seen, it's, you, it's very very uh, scary and not legal. But yeah, <laughs> have you? And you said you've been wrestling for eight years. I've been wrestling for twelve years. I've been traveling to America for the last eight years. And what? Uh, where did you start? Like, where are you from in Australia? Um, so I'm from Sydney, Australia. So I started. I've I've always sort of wrestled in Sydney, Australia. That's where I started. I'm mm-hmm. trained by my main trainers would be uh, Madison Eagles and Robbie Eagles, and so we have like a school called Pro Wrestling Academy, which is attached to Pro Wrestling Australia, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, we train very regularly. That's the good thing. The good thing about being in in Australia, where we don't have as many shows and everything, everyone is very still. Everyone that wants to wrestle still wants to wrestle lots. So we just train a lot, and we become like a family because of that. And then we all just try to travel out as much as we can. And the whole idea initially is to, if we travel out and we bring eyes, and people see us, and then we come back to Australia, then people can hopefully see what we're doing in Australia, and then hopefully Australia grows because. The ideal thing would obviously be if we could all be successful and never have to leave our friends and family, but that's obviously not (laughs) logical or ever going to happen, but that's ideal. Because I know that for a while there wasn't like Osprey planning on on living in Australia and kind of reviving the scene there, and I know Robbie Eagles is is having a little bit of a a run in New Japan right now. Yeah, yeah, Robbie, uh, Osprey came down like like three years ago now, and he's come, he's, he's been very good to the Australian scene. He comes down a couple of times a year and it really did help bring eyes to what we were doing. And especially like that's what got eyes on Robbie Eagles, which we've, who we've all known was phenomenal for a decade. And then suddenly now other people know he's amazing. So it's, and that's been really good and that's helped bring eyes. And it's just all we can do to bring eyes on Australian wrestling is phenomenal. But I also recognize that Australian wrestling is never going to be profitable in my lifetime. So Mm -hmm. I have to travel and try to move to another country however I can. How were your, uh, what was your first kind of first few forays outside of Australia? Like what countries did you go to first? So the first thing I did was I went to America in 2012. It was the first time I like left my job and I did like a two month tour essentially except it was more i went and i rented an apartment in philadelphia and i trained down at the shikara wrestle factory and i did like i did a couple of independent bookings but i guess that's sort of more i met people and i did the drives and i went to shows and stuff like that and then i've sort of just built relationships over the time and then throughout the years i've done some random things like i've wrestled in singapore and i've wrestled in malaysia which is just obscure things that I never thought I would ever do. Last year I did I spent a month in England for the first time, which is a delightful place and I'd love to go back there. But it all just costs money because it's a very <laughs> it's a very right. expensive flight. It's a very far place to go and I can get myself there. Once I'm there I can make money, but I have to get myself there. So that's the thing. You don't really have someone that's gonna fly you to America and then you do, you know, X amount of shows and then fly back, right? Yeah, no, because it, it's it's not like the difference between like a UK to US flight is a couple of hundred dollars. A flight from Australia to the US is a couple of thousand dollars. Right, of course it is. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I guess so, so that's if how you're 
putting together your trip. So I, w- I would assume. So let's talk. Have you have you come over to the states for WrestleMania uh, in previous years? Yes. Yeah, so this would be my third res- Yeah, third or fourth WrestleMania weekend. So tell so, us. Yeah, tell us about a normal WrestleMania weekend. Like for example, tell us about last year's WrestleMania. How do you arrange these? Oh, and what's gosh. your schedule kind of like? <laughs> or, or not necessarily WrestleMania weekend because I know at this point you were supposed to be coming over for you know a few the months. Whole, yeah. So um, basically, I the way I sort of figure it out is I'll contact the people that I've sort of worked with before and I'll figure out what dates they have and then I sort of pick a start date and end date based on that, knowing that there's at least work there and work at, at, like work at point A and work at point B and then send out hundreds of emails to try and fill out point A to point B with stuff and try to tell people that I'm coming as much as possible. Um, and I was pretty lucky. I... This trip, I was there for eight weeks and I had every weekend was full over WrestleMania week. I had 10 bookings. I was like, uh, at one point I got to nine bookings and then I was like, okay, well now I have to make it double digits because mm-hmm. otherwise I'm just going to be annoyed at myself and I need things to be even. Right, right, <laughs> um, right, right, right. I was like, well, now I have to. And I was also had this goal of being the, having the most WrestleMania weekend bookings for, uh, as a female, which I pretty sure i would have come pretty close to if it had happened but um oh well um and then, uh but like last year for example i had oh i think i did six shows over wrestlemania week and it all it just kind of comes together i don't it's like you just sort of talk to people and then suddenly you're here there you just say oh hey like i'm available for this and then it all sort of comes together and you have to look at your schedule because every show is running at the same time <laughs> and you have to make mm-hmm. sure that you don't double book yourself. Last year was crazy because it was New York. So some of the shows were on one side of New York and then some shows were in Jersey. And so there was like the whole idea of, okay, well, I have this show that's from 12 to 3 and then I have this show that's at 4 till 7, but am I going to be able to get from my 12 to 3 show to my 4 to 7 show in New York traffic? And there was there was a bunch of people last year that, missed a few of their bookings because they literally just didn't get from point A to point B. Because the traffic is so bad, right? Because yeah. of traffic. Yeah, exactly. Last year was crazy. I I don't think this year was going to be anywhere near as crazy. In It was going to be crazy in the amount of shows, but I think the travel was going to be a bit easier, a bit less stressful. And I was very careful about not booking myself too much in the same time zones, time, time spots. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's... It's like you, especially WrestleMania week for internationals, I think, is like this one week where you can come over here and all these people that have never seen you before will see you for the first time and you maybe the right person will see you, maybe the wrong person will see you. Who like it's You can guarantee that, that people will see you. And I think that's why it's such an important thing because everyone is just congregated in that same area and – it's that one guarantee that if you, because if you come over here any other time of the year, you can hope that someone sees what you do. But WrestleMania week, you know, someone's going to see what you do to some extent. Right. Um, and hopefully the right person. Exactly, exactly. So let's talk about this year's WrestleMania. So when do you start, when did you start planning it? Um, <laughs> kind of go through the whole system of what, you know, uh, a wrestler from Australia needs to do <laughs> to put together this patchwork of schedules. Because like you just said, when you're in AEW or WWE, here's your schedule for the month. You show up, you work, you leave. For you, for you, 
it's a lot more than that as far as just putting together the whole tour, shall we say, to begin with. Yeah, um, I'm I'm a very organized person, so that helps. Oh, I mean, I'm not an organized person. I'm very good at organizing <laughs> my schedule. Um, so I write every everything is written down with dates and times and everything like that. So um, I think the first booking I got was would have been Shimmer, um, which is the company that I've worked for pretty much every time I've come to America for the last eight years. So I knew that was a guaranteed booking. Um, and then I just sort of I spoke to the people that were that were companies that I'd worked for previously um, and asked them if they were running WrestleMania weekend and then they, they were and I was like, oh, well, can I be a part of the show and stuff? So we sort of – it all sort of – it's chaos. I don't know how I put it together. <laughs> like, and, I, and I sort of somehow I became like the mother of like the little group of Australian uh, women wrestlers and so I helped like schedule all of them as well somehow and I don't even know how because, yeah, I, I just sort of – wrote it all down and I just contacted everyone and then it all just sort of fell into place and I was very lucky. So do, do you, like, I know like when we, when we tour with Fozzie, like if there's certain gigs that are kind of cornerstones, like if it's a festival, for example, like a radio festival, or if it's a big show, like, okay, we got Chicago locked in for this day for this amount of money and we've got Detroit that weekend for that amount of money. Let's fill in the rest of the dates as we go. Is that kind of how you do it as well? Yeah, Exactly. Pretty much. What were kind of the cornerstone gigs for this? I'm going to call it a tour, but this journey, uh, for <laughs> the, the, the WrestleMania Tampa journey, shall we say? So for my whole trip over, the start of my whole trip was going to be uh, Shimmer Weekend, which was in Chicago. And then from there, we were flying to Tampa for the whole week. And then like WrestleMania week, WrestleMania week this week started on like Tuesday there was people running shows from Tuesday, Wednesday. I didn't have any shows till Thursday because I, way I saw it was there's going to be people around Tuesday, Wednesday, but it's more important to fill up the dates for the Thursday, Friday, Saturday because those are the dates that people are going to be there watching the shows. And right. um, that's like when everyone sort of orig- comes to town. Romania was originally April 5th. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So that was like the Sunday. And so like, People would kind of the the like main fans would come to town probably around the Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Like they they're not going to be in town from like Tuesday. Yeah, so you you fill up like the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday is WrestleMania, and like people don't really run Sunday because there's no point in running against WrestleMania. Um, right, right, of course. Because <laughs> that everyone that's come to town is coming come to town to go to WrestleMania. But yeah, so the main shows that you want the main shows that I wanted to be a part of were the shows that people get that look at, which is like Joey Janela's spring break, which is like the cornerstone of independent WrestleMania weekend. Like that's the show you have to be on to be seen. Everyone sees that show. Mm -hmm. And that one's fairly big too. That one's got thousands of fans in attendance from what I understand. Yeah. It was going to be like insanely huge this year and i was very lucky i last year i got to um have a pretty big part in it with this whole um last year we did a whole thing where i called joey janela a sexist and then (laughs) we got and and then the show ended with me getting like uh me and like five other girls essentially tearing apart the whole ring and like beating up all the guys and like dragging yeah dragging joey out with he had like Joey Janela is a sexist, like written in lipstick on his uh, stomach and stuff. <laughs> it was a good time, uh, but yeah, like it's it's like 
people, everyone sees that show and like people talk about that show. So you want to be a part of that show. So that was like a very important show to be a part of. And then like there's, there's so many amazing shows that were, were happening. I like, I, there was a show where I was going to be sacrificed to Satan. Well, I assume I was going to be sacrificed to Satan. My match was that the loser gets sacrificed to Satan. What company was that? <laughs> that was with um, Black Label and um, Action Wrestling. And that was a, um, it was like a Warhorse and Danhausen um, mm-hmm. like themed, themed show. So every, everyone had all these very weird, evil matches. And it was just like, it was just going to be a fun show. And mm-hmm. like, People wanted to know what was going to happen. Like, what was this sacrifice going to be? I don't know what this sacrifice is going to be. Listen, if you're getting sacrificed to Satan, you better get a bonus for that. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, so how many shows did you have booked for for the whole? You you mentioned you were supposed to start this week. So, yeah, the whole the whole tour. Yeah, um, I had thirty two bookings over the eight weeks. Uh, yeah, and then WrestleMania itself, it was ten in the three days. Oh my gosh! I don't know. I don't know how I was going to survive it, but so, I thought I was. <laughs> so when were you supposed to start? What was your first match? Um, my first match for WrestleMania? No, no, just like Wait? off oh. the, off the plane oh. from Australia. Uh, so I ended up from talking to people. I ended up moving my flight two weeks earlier, and so I flew over. Was it like last week now? So I flew over on the twelfth of. Right. March and my first match was then going to be the fourteenth of March. So tell me, tell me the different cities that you're supposed to be in. Obviously, you said Tampa, oh and where gosh. else are you supposed to go? Chicago, New York, Dallas, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Mm. I don't, I don't know. That's I don't a, know my state. That's a place. <laughs> yeah, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I went to Indianapolis, Indiana. Is that a place I went? Yeah, to? yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Gosh, I, I'm really bad with like geography and stuff listen i wouldn't know what state uh you know adelaide is so (laughs) won't worry about it (laughs) yeah um, i was going to go to ohio like i hadn't been there before there was yeah so you everywhere you had quite the the u.s tour kind of set up (laughs) and so when you get here they're all for different companies how are you getting around from indianapolis to dallas or whatever it may be so i basically i was going to sleep on a bunch of people's couches Mm -hmm. and um I just sort of, I would talk to the promoter. I'd be like, this is where I am this time. So help me get to where you need me to be. And then, so I'd either get in a car or they'd book a flight if it was uh, appropriate, get on a bus if I had to. Like, I can't drive in America. So I just sort of hop around and see where the world takes me. Wow. It's, it sounds insane when I say it out loud. It, it doesn't but. sound insane, though. Like, I did the same thing when I first started. I mean, maybe not quite as, as – I, I keep saying patchwork, but you really had to put a lot of work into this from one company to the next to, to create this whole this whole chain of events, for sure. A lot of work went into it. Oh, yeah. A, a lot of work. And you were coming over here by yourself, right? Yeah. I think that was the scariest part is I was just literally just going to travel the world and hope for the best by myself and hope that like everyone that said that I could sleep on their couch was going to actually let me sleep on their couch. Right. And when you come over here, you've mentioned you've been over a few times. Are there some friends that you have in the States that you can kind of ride with sometimes or, or stay at their houses sort of thing? Yeah, I'm I'm very lucky that because I've been over a few times, I've made 
quite a few friends in a bunch of different cities. So I, I knew I had a place to stay in Chicago if I got stuck in Chicago. I knew I had a place to stay in um, Philadelphia if I got stuck in Philadelphia. Um, I was going to spend a week in Atlanta because I wanted to train at the um, One Four Factory. And so I had a place to stay there. Like I had, yeah, I had places mm-hmm. to sort of, I, I, I knew I'd have, well, I hoped I had a place to stay. And then I just had to figure out how I was getting where I was going. Wow. And it usually about, all works out. How about when you were in Tampa for, you mentioned it would be for like a two week period or whatever. Do you have a, a hotel that you stay in or that are the promoters providing that for you? Um, for Tampa, I was, um, there was going to be a bunch of other girls from Australia that were coming over just for that like week. Right. Um, and so we all got like an Airbnb together. Um, cause then it's just easier if we're all just sort of together and it's just kind of nicer. <laughs> Right. But yeah, we we just sort of you you sort of mania you kind of because you're split up between so many different companies, you just sort of organize your own accommodation or whatever or how you're getting there, and then once you're there, you make the money back on merch and match fees and everything like that. See, I think this is something that that, that a lot of people might not understand just just all of the work that you put into this to get here, and all the expenses that you incur. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> You know, it really very much is like when you sign the guaranteed contract, even if it's going to Japan or, or, or AW or whatever, it's fine. But it reminds me of like when you're in a rock and roll band, you get your match fees and then you got to get to those places. So whatever it costs to if you can afford a tour bus or if you're in a van pulling a trailer and then you sell your merch and, and your VIPs and you add it all up and whatever you have left over after you pay all your expenses is what you made. And sometimes if the tour doesn't go the way you wanted it to, you lose money. Other times yep. you make big money. So it really is just a crapshoot on what kind of reactions and what kind of merch and that sort of thing you're going to sell throughout these 32 shows that you're doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. So you have, when you're going away for eight weeks, how much merch are you printing up? I would print out fair, fair amount of t-shirts, fair amount of I had like pins and stuff with me, um, eight by tens because everyone loves that. Mm-hmm. And I'd also, with this tour, I decided, so I'd been doing my whole career, I'd kind of been doing this very uh, happy-go-lucky, um, put my whole heart into everything, and this hardcore gimmick. And so this tour, I decided to completely reinvent myself. So I spent whole bunch of money on this complete reinvention of my gear and my I got custom theme music made I got I made like this whole hype video of me changing from um of uh, this whole concept of my heart I'd put my heart into wrestling and all I'd gotten was a broken heart essentially so I changed myself to heartbreak core mm-hmm. and so I'd done this whole complete reinvention that cost a <laughs> Uh, if I, I laugh about it now because I have, I have to laugh about it. <laughs> so right. I'd done this complete reinvention of everything. And so I'd had all this new merch and all this new 8x10s and all this new everything that is just going to uh, sit around for a while. And hopefully, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with it all. Hopefully in a, in a couple of months we can sell it all and people will still want it. Well, yeah. And, and, and like you said, I mean, there's certain things that happen outside of your control but let's get more into that. So you, so you have, and once again, this is the reason, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, on Talk is Jericho is so people can understand when you're sitting in your house or you have the stay-at-home quarantine that a lot of the states have. And, you know, like I mentioned, I lost a big chunk of change from, I, I'm sorry, WrestleCon, WrestleCade. I'm sure you're supposed to be there too. 
but I'm fortunate enough that I have some other cash rolling in for somebody in your position. You have kind of built your whole year. It would seem around this two month journey. And then when it gets taken away due to no fault of your own, obviously uh, very, very disappointing. Yes, <laughs> very. I haven't had like the full breakdown yet. I'm sort of just waiting for that to happen. I've been able so far. I've been able to just kind of be like, okay, it's okay. Like, Everything's happening for a reason. We're all just every everyone's in this. It's okay. It's okay. And I just keep telling myself that. And we're just it's all as you gonna, should. And and, and now, everything's going to be fine. And listen, you probably would have been on Talk as Jericho at some point, but it got on you. It got you on the show much quicker <laughs> so that people can hear your story. So <laughs> let me quickly tell you my uh, experience on March 11th and 12th, and then you can kind of tell me what the rundown was for you. So. Yeah. We were in Salt Lake City, uh, March 11th, which to this date was our last show with, with, with a paid audience in it. We didn't know it at the time. And we had built up our entire storylines to culminate at this match called Blood and Guts, which was going to be at the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. And we had 14,000 tickets sold. Uh, our biggest AEW show to date, I believe, or one of them. And uh, 18th was Salt Lake. Uh, sorry, 18th was going to be Rochester, New York, which was going to be the debut of the Exalted One, Brody Lee, who's from Rochester. And then later on in the night, pulled the double swerve with the debut of Broken Matt Hardy. So everything was all built up. Salt Lake leads to Rochester, leads to this huge giant match in uh, in New Jersey. So having said all that, we we, we had a match. Uh, it was the last match on Dynamite, March 11th. About 10 minutes before I went to the ring, I was talking to the uh, AEW booking guy and the AEW lawyer said, we, sh- we look like we should still be good for Rochester and hopefully for Newark. Went to the arena, did the match, came out of the match 20 minutes later and found out well, during this 20 minutes, the NBA has canceled the season. Tom Hanks has been diagnosed with, uh, with Corona and everything is canceled. So that was my 20-minute journey to the ring and back. I'm like, what the hell? What the fuck happened? So <laughs> tell me your uh, journey, shall we say, as you're oh, going gosh. to the airport in Sydney and what happens you know, on, on, on March 12th. Well, for me, so on March 12th, uh, which would have been March 11th in America, when I got on my plane on Thursday morning, uh, in Australia, everything was completely normal. And well, not completely normal. We were aware that this uh, virus was happening and stuff, but everything was everything was kind of just going along as normal. No one had shut down anything or anything like that. By the time I had flown the 24 hours or so to get to Chicago and gotten off my plane, I had a bunch of messages. <laughs> Uh, from everyone asking if I was okay, making sure I got in the country, wondering what like what was happening, and then also a bunch of messages from all these people that I had arranged all these bookings for. And I just gradually over that day and then the days that followed just watched the bookings get cancelled one by one by one. For a while, people were doing like these uh, – empty arena shows everyone was like okay we're just going to keep trying to go with the empty arena shows but now with the lockout laws that uh, the laws and everything that have been put down and the rules and restrictions uh, even they can't go ahead because there was part of me was like oh do i just stay over here and 
wait this out. Like mm-hmm. there was there was part of me that, especially when I first got off the plane, um, and it was only sort of like the first week or two that was cancelled. I was like, okay, well maybe like by the time we get to Tampa, things will be okay, and mm-hmm. like it like and then I have like and I didn't want to go home and like everything to just be go like me go home too soon and then everything just went back to normal right. and I just missed all these bookings for no reason essentially mm-hmm. so that was like something that I was I had to I had really had to think about it for a really long time I was lucky that I got my the Saturday show when I got there got cancelled but then some local show was still running and they asked me to do it so I was able to pick up a show there and then mm-hmm. my Sunday show still went ahead and so I, I ended up, I got two book, two bookings out of this tour, wow. thankfully. Thankfully, I got something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then um, on the Monday, it was pretty obvious that everything was not going to be okay by the time April rolled around. And then I had to try and figure out how I was going to get home because Australia was starting to put down uh, travel bans and they put in the 14-day quarantine rule and everything like that. So... Tried to change my flight, couldn't change my flight because I'd already my flight home because I'd already flown half the flight or something. Uh, so I had to book a whole new flight, which was fantastic. Luckily, I had like I saved up money to make sure that I had money to like survive if everything went to death over the eight weeks mm. because I didn't want to starve to death. So, but all that money went into my flight home. But that doesn't make home. any sense in this in this time with. with- Everything being an unrest, they, they wouldn't let you just rebook that part of the flight? No, it was, yeah, it was a headache. I have, I, I'm trying to follow it all up with travel insurance to try and get some of the money back what, somehow. What, what airline was it? Um, it was American. Well, they've done, I mean, I know for sure Delta has said they waive any change fees because I got stuck like in Colorado with my family snowboarding and we had to come home early and then they they waived all the change fees because that's just, you know, that's kind of their policy right now. You think that America yeah. would have done the same for you, especially being a foreigner stuck in America? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to try and follow it all up once the phones are not as crazy and try and harass them and get some mm-hmm. money back. And like, and I'm, cause I'm sure I can get some money back, but they, yeah, at the time they couldn't just change my flight from eight weeks to, and what, when was that? So March 12th, you said you worked 14, 15, which was Saturday, Sunday. And, yeah. And then I flew home. Uh, Monday was when I booked my flight, and then I flew home on the Tuesday. Wow, so it was that fast. Everything deteriorated that quickly. Yeah, it was, yeah, the, it, very quickly. Like, by the time I was leaving, like, WrestleMania was cancelled and everyone was – and, like, my story is, like – sad or whatever but like i feel so bad for like the promoters like for the collective mm-hmm. and for wrestlecon and everything that they've lost because compared to what i've lost it's it's extraordinary the amount that they've lost and so that's yeah like they had because they had to cancel everything because well and, and that's the thing like when, when you said i think you went home like on march 18th or 16th or whatever it was Mania yeah. Mania wasn't canceled yet. That was the last one that that didn't cancel. And I think that the WrestleCon guys kind of got caught up in that of just waiting to see. And then, of course, like you said, the longer you wait, the more expensive it is, and the more it's going to cost mm. you to to cancel. But um, the, the the writing was on the wall, like you said, way back in March twelfth or March eleventh when I walked out of that arena, I walked out of the ring. I knew everything was going to be canceled. Done. Yeah. Yeah. You know. 
And that's the thing, too, when you talk about the WrestleCon guys. I mean, the Marriott tried to stick them with a bill for $115,000. and Yeah. We took it online, and that got kind of cleared up. So if you have a problem with America, just uh, American Airlines, just uh, <laughs> just let us know. <laughs> I'll, I'll try and sort it out myself, but we'll see. <laughs> right. So, so, so when when you call the airlines and get your flight changed, when do you find out about this quarantine and kind of what the rules are there? I think the quarantine had been announced like before I'd even booked my flight. Mm-hmm. Um, home like I knew booking uh, like changing my flight that I was going to have to get off the plane and go straight into quarantine because I, I and I thought at that time that Australia was I was like okay Australia is going to try and like lock this down nice and early and we're going to be able to get on with our lives here but they've, they've put in some some measures but they haven't done as much as I think they should be doing to stop it, the spread before it gets out of control because we're, we're at the moment, we don't have anywhere near as many cases as America, um, but I would like that to be kept under control before <laughs> before we get to that point. Well, it seems that um, Australia isn't as bad as it is in other countries right now, or am I off on that? Yeah. Yeah, like it's we're not um, – I think most of our cases are from uh, people travelling from – the other countries that like the majority of our cases are still uh, people coming home or visiting or whatever. They're not, uh, it's not like being passed around the community as much. And I think that's a lot to do with the strict quarantine rules that they've put into place. And hopefully that does stop us from getting to the point where uh, the other countries are at. Um, Hopefully we can get this under control quickly. It's just, yeah, it's very, it's, it's hard at the moment. So when I am back home, I work in a gym, which I'd left to do this tour mm. um, and everything. And um, so I still kind of had hope when I got back. I was like, okay, well, maybe when I get out of quarantine, I can like get some sort of job back at the gym. Like that'll be okay. But now they've, they've closed all gyms. And so right. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, okay. Like I'm actually like, cool. You, you lost that now too. <laughs> yeah. We kind of talked about it briefly at the beginning, but let's go through it now. So you land in Australia, you get off the plane. What's the uh, the, the the process to to get you home and and, and all that sort of stuff? Because we, we're not under this type of quarantine yet. Yeah. So when you get off the plane, you're met with a bunch of people in like complete hazmat suits and everything. Wow. Like it's very intense. Scary. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they hand you out, like, instructions of what you have to do. It was very eerie being at the airport um, because, like, you go through customs and, like, we were the only plane that had income, like, that had come in. And, like, that's so – I'm not – like, when you fly in from America, that's usually, like, there's – usually there's at least, like, five or six other planes coming in at the same time, but it was just – it was empty. And then I had to – I basically, you have to just go straight from wherever you are you have to get picked up like you're not supposed to get on public transport obviously because that would help spread it so my husband picked me up and he basically just drove me straight to the house and but did you have to sit the, did you have to ride in the trunk or something <laughs> <laughs> no i sat in the back okay. but he gave me like he he had like a mask and everything like, he had everything for me mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. ready because he he'd re- read up on all of everything that had to be done so i kind of just showed up and was like okay <laughs> this right. is what i'm doing <laughs> and yeah so he like like i haven't i can't like 
I have to not like try and touch doors. Like I didn't, couldn't open the front door or anything like that. Like he had to open the front door and like, I just followed him through and then go inside my little room. And then, but you're not, you're not symptomatic in any way. No, not at all. But, um, the, the problem is I think that people can carry it for like the whole, like you're, yeah, you can carry it and not have any symptoms whatsoever. So, especially because I came from America where there was more cases, they have to be more careful, I think, mm-hmm. um, with everything like that. But, yeah, it's mainly the the issue is just trying to stop it as much as possible. So you are totally following the rules. So now I'm, I went on your Twitter feed, so I see I'm back on March 18th, and we see, if you guys want to check it out, it's Shaza underscore McKenzie. What is, where does Shaza come from? It's a very memorable name. <laughs> Shazza. <laughs> okay. So um, Shazza in Australia, if you ever urban dictionary it, it means uh, basically it's it's like a – what's the equivalent to American? It's like a redneck name. Like it's like what you'd call um, a redneck female in Australia essentially. Like it's it's not a, it's not a nice word. It's not, not, a, not a nice word, but it's not like – it's not a nice thing to call someone. Gotcha. Um <laughs> and so like when like it wasn't it was given to me by my original trainer and I hated it like absolutely hated it for like the first like year or two and then I kind of had this realization that like everyone outside of Australia doesn't really understand what it means and that there'll also never be another Shazza so like um that's kind of like you if someone says oh hey Shazza blah 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 like they know they're talking about me like there's no confusion it's not like a I don't know, like a Jess or uh, right, gotcha. I don't know, a Nikki. Like there's like where there's like lots of them. Like it's oh Shazza, yep, okay, that's Shazza. So that's yeah. If you if you urban dictionary it, there's a description of what it means. Right. It just it's like <laughs> a redneck it's like trash, uh, white trash, whatever. It's like session moth Martina. Yeah, exactly. I didn't I didn't know what a session moth was either, but <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so, so you you go home. Your is your husband a wrestler? Yeah, he's a wrestler. What's his name? Uh, he's Unsocial Jordan. Unsocial Jordan, gotcha. So you go home, and, and and we can see here, like I said, if you go to the Twitter, and it is basically somebody's spare room, uh, small room, air mattress, <laughs> uh, and a TV uh, set up in the corner, and yep. this is where you've been living for the last seven days. Yep, yep. I put up my air mattress every day, and I put down my exercise mat, and I do my little kettlebell exercises um, and then I just go back to bed. Wow. But you, and I can see you're tweeting about the, uh, uh, AW no people show. Oh yeah. I, I like, so I love watching, um, AW live. Um, I used to watch it at work. Like I would just sit at work cause I can just watch it on my phone. It's so easy. Fight app is great. Mm. Um, I would just watch it at, at, at work on my phone and then, um, and I loved it because, uh, my boss would come in and like, I remember he was really excited because he was like, oh, my God, is that Chris Jericho? I was like, yeah, that's Chris Jericho. And then he was like, oh, my God, is that JR? And I was like, yeah, that's JR. And like, he was like, <laughs> like, and he hadn't watched wrestling for like years. And I was like, see, this is so cool. Like people like this non like big wrestling fan is like, oh, my gosh. But yeah, so I, I always used to watch it at work and I used to live tweet along with it because I like I think it's fun to be a fan of wrestling. Sure. And like, I think. We all like lose that, and I always like to try and always watch wrestling as a fan and enjoy it because, at the end of the day, that's why we started being wrestlers because we we're fans. And and that's the way I feel. I still feel the same way exactly. And that's why I, 
I wanted to talk with you because I understand kind of what you went through and all the stuff that you had to kind of leave behind for, for, for this. But it's actually very honorable that you're taking this so seriously because you are in this room. It's almost like literally being in prison. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it so pretty much is. <laughs> what's your normal day uh, in your quarantined room? Well, I've been pretty good at it. I've like, been waking up at like 8 a.m. and stuff. So I was like, oh, this is nice and like organized. So I wake up and uh, I ask my husband to bring me some breakfast. <laughs> Via text or yelling through the wall? Yeah, I just text him. I go, uh, hello, <laughs> uh, can I have some breakfast? And then he'll bring me my breakfast. And then I work out and like usually I'll like do like a kettlebell workout or something like that and then – I'll like sit down for a bit and then I'll try and do some yoga because I'm like, I just try, try, to, might try to like make my workout sort of go for a very long time because once that's over, <laughs> that's, that's kind of like the only task I have to do for the day. So I do that. So I work out and then I do some yoga and then um, I'll have a shower and then I'll pretty much uh, just watch wrestling or watch Netflix. I've watched Tiger King twice already. You like, mentioned someone else told me about that. What's Tiger King all about? <laughs> Give me a review of Tiger King. It's so basically it's like I can't it's like so these people that own all these exotic animals and tigers um, and there's this guy Joe Exotic and he's crazy and everyone is like there's murder plots and like this lady she definitely killed her husband and then Joe like burnt down the studio and then he married these two guys and then one of them accidentally killed himself like it's just it's a roller coaster. Wow. Like, there's so many things that happen in the, like, eight episodes. Like, I watched it the first time and I was like, I don't think I really, like, like, I was like, this is, this is a lot. Like, I need to watch this again because I don't think I truly understood what happened. And then I watched <laughs> it again and I was like, oh, no, like, that's really what happened. Like, all of these crazy things really happened. <laughs> like, these people exist. Wow, yeah. I mean, it's funny because you get a chance. Like you said, you can you can watch it again now because it's you have nothing else to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? what, did, what did you think when you saw, like, some of the people, I mean, there's one for sure of, of like, what Stroman said about kind of cutting down, uh, you know, independent wrestling and all that sort of thing. Was, I think it kind of one of those giant foot-in-mouth type of a situation. Yeah. How did that feel for you as an independent wrestler who went all of, through all of these things to, to end up in a, quarantine room for 14 days it's yeah like that was not a he he shouldn't have said that that was it was a very uh out of touch view i think of mm. what the reality is for not even because it's not even this isn't just affecting professional wrestlers it's affecting people that work in the service industry like people that work like all these different jobs like it's not like everyone has just, like, decided, oh, like, we, we were planning for this global uh, pandemic, so why didn't we have money saved? Like, the, it's, mm. it's everyone is dealing with this. So the idea that we should have had a backup plan is ludicrous, really. Like, and a lot of us did have backup plans, and our backup plans also fell through. Mm. Like, a lot, of, a lot of us had second jobs and were, like, waitresses or like I worked at a gym or whatever, but that's all gone. And so now there's so many people out of work and like it's, yeah, I just think it was very out of touch what he said. And what you said earlier, if, and I agree with you, by the way, I thought it was ridiculous for him to say that. Um, when you mentioned earlier, that if, so if you go out on the street to go buy a bag of crisps 
and a cop flags you over, they, you get fined $13,000? Yeah, essentially. Wow. And are cops roaming the streets randomly checking people? Like, are you in the system sort um, of thing? Or how does that work? I think that they've announced they were going to, like, start FaceTiming people to assure that they were, like, at home. Um, because I think the issue is, like, a lot of people haven't been taking it seriously and because they're like, oh, I don't have any symptoms. And so then they're like, okay, I'll just go down to the shops. And then that's what's causing the spread. So I think it, they're, they're trying to police it as best they can. They, I've been told that like outside is pretty much a ghost town anyway. So I assume most people are doing what they have to do. But yeah, I, I haven't seen cops roaming my street by any means, but I'm sure they're, they've got their ways of checking in on people and electronically and everything like that these days. Yeah, and basically, I think just the the threat of it is enough. You know, thirteen thousand yeah. dollars is a lot of a lot of cash. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Especially um, when everyone's losing their jobs, they're not like, oh yeah, I've got a spare thirteen k. Right. They just yeah. walk down. <laughs> That's worth going to the shops. Is it is it quite boring for you in a lot of ways to be stuck in the room? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit boring. <laughs> I can tell how board yeah. jerks are doing a TikTok dances with Marco stunt. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> They're fantastic dancers, aren't they? Oh, God. Amazing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, last few things here. Uh, just kind of said, like I said, reading through your your Twitter. and I mean, obviously, how disappointed it is. The, the one tweet here is from March 23rd. I think about the money I lost on the USA trip. I can laugh at my misfortune. Money's replaceable can be earned i think about the opportunities i lost in whimper when this is all over i only hope i get these opportunities again do you feel that you lost a lot as far as uh being seen by a lot of influential people yeah yeah i do Mm -hmm. um for me i'd kind of thought to myself that this was going to be probably the last time i really go all out and um try to get my name out there because like like i'm 31 i'm not a spring chicken like my days in of being successful and making it there, there's less de- I have less days ahead of me to make to become successful than behind me so that's why I wanted to really go all out and like mm-hmm. uh, and like see and do my best and see be seen by the right people meet the right people do my best work that I could do because ideally like the goal that has always been is to live in America and to be a professional wrestler. Like that's, I just want to be able to wrestle, but unfortunately that requires certain things to like legally to happen for me to be able to do that. So being seen by the right people and meeting the right people and doing everything that I can was, yeah, I I had some pretty cool things that I was hoping to do. And now I just hope that, when this is all said and done, we can, I can do it all again, maybe, and it won't be too late, and it won't be, it won't be forgotten, and all that sort of stuff, <laughs> all those crazy things that we all think about all the time. Well, I think especially now since you're stuck in a you know a tiny room with nothing else <laughs> to think about. But let me say this though: at 31, it's really not that old. I mean, uh, the, the friend of mine, Luther, just got his first national contract at 50 uh, because he was the right guy yes. for for the job. So. I think for you, I don't think that's really exactly the the end of the road. And obviously, once again, too, you were you were struck by nothing else than a pandemic, which is kind of affecting everybody. <laughs> um, either yeah. either this will be gone in a few months, or we'll all be dead and we'll have to worry about it. But I think I think <laughs> in a, in a few months when this is all gone, 
when WrestleMania is it Los Angeles next year, maybe or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if you kind of are going to be there doing kind of the same thing that you did now. Because what's an extra year when you are in great shape and have you know great uh, uh, reputation and all that sort of thing? Like, I'm sure it feels a little futile right now, but I think in a few months you might not feel the same way. Oh, I appreciate that. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, That's I mean, very nice. <laughs> well, I, I, once again, I think it's it's kind of like that for for a lot of people. Like last week, doing the No People show, I was like, I haven't done a show in front of No People since I was in wrestling school when I was nineteen years old. Like, <laughs> what are we gonna do? Yeah. And I yeah. think in a few months we'll be looking back. Remember that time we had to do that that No People show and how crazy that was? Or remember that time I was in isolation for fourteen days? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I but, hope we can all look back and think that this was all just a crazy, weird thing that happened for a couple of weeks, and then we got on with our sure. lives. <laughs> but but having you say this, and this, by the way, was all orchestrated by Brian Alvarez, who really wanted to make uh, a space on his show for some of the people that got kind of uh, got kind of screwed out of out of things because of the coronavirus. Is there a place where people listening can go and buy a Heartbreak Core T-shirt or, or buy an eight by ten or whatever it may be? Yep, um, I have a Pro Wrestling Tees uh, website, store, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash Shazza McKenzie. Mm-hmm. I don't have my big cartel up at the moment because I can't go to the post office. So, okay, right. <laughs> when you can. Um, when I do, um, it'll be shazmckenzie.bigcartel.com. And then I'll have like my 8x10s and stuff like that up on there. What's bigcartel.com? Uh, what's big cartel? It's like a little, it's like a, you run your own little store. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Like it's like a Spotify, uh, not Spotify, Shopify. <laughs> Spotify is very different. <laughs> and and you have, uh, yeah, Spotify for music, Shaza. Okay. <laughs> what about your Patreon? I see you have a Patreon account. Oh, yes. Too. Um, I have Patreon. So patreon.com uh, forward slash Shaza McKenzie. And that's basically, it's just kind of like a little community. I do little live streams, especially now while I'm mm. <laughs> alone in my room. Um, <laughs> there's like photo shoots up there that are exclusive to Patreon and yeah, it's sort of like a little community that I talk to and they kind of keep me entertained while I'm <laughs> in my little room. How many more uh, days are you under quarantine for? Um, so another eight days. Gotcha. Wow. Anything else you have uh, um, planned for the next eight days? Nope. Just uh, just going to hang out here and uh, hope for the <laughs> Hope for the best, really. And what kind of... I'm going to go for the longest run when I get out of here. Well, like, just- I'm running for like... You know, an hour, two hours. You know, what you can do is you can just do the most laps around your. You can do the longest run, but with like a, a two thousand laps. Rather yeah, I than, could. You know, just one, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> what uh, What's going on for the Australian scene right now? Obviously, it's all kind of shut down. Any shows in the future at all? Or summertime, fall. At the moment, we. I don't think anyone has any of their upcoming dates. Like announced because we don't really know what's happening um because of the rules that our government has put in so we don't really know how long it's going to be until we can run shows again hopefully Mm. um in the next couple of months we'll be able to run shows but i would like to shout out to pwa pro wrestling australia because that's my home company and if you follow them they have an on-demand service and everything like that and so uh, we'll have more shows out eventually, <laughs> one day. <laughs> right, and then Hopefully. and then if everything goes up, up according to plan, and you get some 
cash back from American Airlines. Can you see taking another trip to America anytime before next year's WrestleMania? I would absolutely hope so. Mm. I yeah, like I will do whatever I physically am and capable of doing to get back to America once this is all over. Like whatever I can do, like I don't I don't know what I'll be able to do. Uh, I'll go find a job somehow doing something and we'll, I'll figure it out. I'll, I always figure it out. I always just decide that I'm doing something and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'll figure just it out. Do it. it out. Yeah. I you think just got to do it. I think it's one of those things that, that the economy being down and obviously because of the lockdowns, it's not like the depression where, where the jobs and the money weren't available. I'm hoping that when things are, are kind of allowed to go back to normal, that there'll be a surge of people that have been stuck inside just looking to, to go be entertained and spend some money and have yeah. some fun. So hopefully we'll be right back on track fairly soon. Oh yeah. It's going to be crazy. The first like live crowd show right. after all of this the crowd Absolutely. is going to go crazy. <laughs> Last question for you. What's your uh, favorite match you've ever had? If you had to pick oh uh, pick one. Uh, my favorite match that I ever had was against uh, Madison Eagles. Uh, it was in Sydney for House of Hardcore, and it's my favorite match because it was House of Hardcore and it had a bunch of, uh, like, ex-WWE superstars. It had the Young Bucks on it. It had, like, it was this giant show and no one was there to see us. No one knew who we were. Um, and the crowd went crazy. And then we came back and Billy Gunn and Tommy Dreamer and stuff said all these really nice things about our match and it was, like, the best feeling ever. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So, so Tommy actually had a, a, a Australian House of Hardcore tour? Yeah, yeah. He's done two now. So he, that was the first tour. And because he liked our, our match on the first tour, we got booked on the second tour. And there I was like, you oh. go. We'll see. I'm, I'm sure House of Hardcore will come back to Australia and you'll have I another booking so. right there. Perfect. I hope so. I love House of Hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shazza, thank you so much. Uh, sorry for, for what happened, but it's, I'm glad you're home and safe with no symptoms. And uh, watch Tiger King. Watch But I'm Chris Jericho. On YouTube. Okay. It's a TV series oh. I did a few years ago. It's super ridiculous and funny comedy series. That'll give you something to watch. There's like 12 right, episodes of that. that. There you go. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shazza. Thank you so much. And hopefully we'll see you back in the States very soon. Thank you. All right. Cheers, mate. Thank you. <laughs>